Warning, the podcast Under the Stairs is not safe for work. We'll feature movie spoilers and language which most listeners may find offensive. Brought to you in conjunction with Legion Podcast Network. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. everyone and welcome to the podcast under the stairs this is bonus episode number 69 i'm your host duncan mcleish and welcome to the show so bonus episode 69 is a very quick catch-up from what was a fantastic weekend at glasgow fright fest 2018 so i spent two days um the friday and the saturday in the company of some fantastic film fans and in the careful hands of um, the curators of Glasgow Fright Fest to sit down and partake in an 11 movie slate uh, which had its challenges. Um, I did not see all the movies and certainly the two movies that kicked off uh, the the run of horror movies on the Thursday night I didn't get to see at all but we will get into that when we're going to talk about the movies in the next segment. So yeah, that's what we're going to be doing on this episode. Ain't going to be super long, ain't going to be uh, spoilery at all. I don't want to spoil these films because they're festival movies. But what I will do is I'll give you just my opinions on them, whether I thought they were good or not. Uh, What I would grade them at Netflix and hopefully if they make their way to a, a VOD or a festival in your area or if they get any sort of cinematic run, I'll let you know whether I think from my perspective and my opinion you should check the movie out or not so that's what we're doing on bonus episode number 69 not the most glamorous of episodes but um yeah we're gonna have some fun hopefully reminiscing about um a weekend where i slept very little i chatted far too much you can probably hear it in my voice and but i got to hang out with some really cool cats um yeah but before we get into that as always a bit of housekeeping at the start of these episodes can i just thank everyone for their incredibly kind words and support for Baz v Horror episode 37, which was Creepshow 1 and 2, his graduation episode. The feedback has been phenomenal. Uh, Everyone seems to really dig that episode and we have had a lot of laughter and a lot of fun at the the kind of closing segment right at the very end of the episode. If you stick around until after the song, uh, you'll hear a bit of stuff that me and Baz put together, which... Yeah, gets dark pretty quick, but in a hopefully super fun way for you, the listener. Um, yeah, and the Baz will return end of March for Bazzy's Bargain Bin, or whatever he's calling it, £10 Bargain Challenge, or yeah. So we'll be doing that anyway. Also announced on that episode, uh, in April, we'll be doing Bazzy's next takes on the Masters of Horror series, where he's going to be looking at the only three movies that Clive Barker has actually directed, in Hellraiser, Nightbreed, and we'll be taking a look at Lords of Illusion. So there we go. 
So you keep your eyes peeled for that one. That one's going to be a ton of fun as well. There's going to be quite a few episodes dropping this week, funnily enough. Um, so you better brace yourself completely because this week you will also be getting the kickoff of Movie Club. That's right, Movie Club for March 2018, a Versus series. We love the Versus series. It makes us all feel uncomfortable and equally hate the person challenging them, which is me. Um, so yeah, that will be coming up. As well as that, you'll also be getting the second instalment of my 88 Films Italian Collection series where I'll be looking at the Bloodstained Shadow. So yeah, that's number two, this number two in that collection. So that will also be coming this week. So yeah, tons of podcasts under the stairs, content coming your way, y'all. So um, get yourself strapped in because we'll see how that's going to go. Um, and yeah. So we're going to take our first break. You are going to hear promos for shows that I love because it's a bonus episode. We're going to fling a little bit of music in here. When we return, I'm going to cover basically the first full day of Fright Fest. Talking about the movies, what I thought of them, non-spoilery, so you really are safe listening to this episode. Um, But certainly I'll I'll be doing some non-spoiler reviews and some grades. So all that and more coming up right after this. Hello, this is the Doom Show. Keep on keeping on and keep on trucking, America. We don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any. <laughs> the truth hurts. I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback. Sorry, guys. That's gotta go. <laughs> That's gotta go in there. So on the show, uh, we talk about giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies. Sometimes we even talk about Cameron Mitchell and his movies. I am Richard. Who are you? I'm Brad, the guy that's not Richard, or Jeffrey, or Simon. That's right. We have four people, and we always talk at once, except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north. Simon lives across the world. Richard lives in Penis, Alabama. Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com. Check for our Amazon exclusive Hello, This is the Doom Show cookbook. Do you like hot dogs? (laughs) We got them. Do you like mac and cheese? We got it. Do you like cheddar? We have it. Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you because you never gave up on us. Wow.
Welcome back. So, yeah, it's time to get down and dirty with Glasgow Fright Fest 2018. So, um, the festival officially is a 2D fest, but they always have two horror movies that come in as part of Glasgow International Film Festival, which kind of kicked the things off. And the two movies that were shown on Thursday night uh, were the it was Ghost Stories and The Lodgers. Both movies I was thoroughly looking forward to seeing. However, Scotland has been battered with snow. Um, in fact, the UK in general has been battered by snow and it, it caused many, many issues. So much so that the theatre itself cancelled the viewing of The Lodgers, so that didn't happen. Um, and Ghost Stories did go ahead, but I could not dig my car out of the snow to get through on that day. It was just an, it was a no-go for me. So I missed those two movies. I did hear Ghost Stories played very well in front of the Fright Fest crowd um, and it gets a cinematic run in April I want to say in both the UK and America so we'll keep our eyes peeled for that um, when that comes out I will get a chance to check that one out. I'm very much looking forward to it. It looks really good um, and it's co-written by Jeremy Dyson of the League of Gentlemen fame so that you know tickles me in my sensitive places and in a way that makes me happy. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that was the first day. It was a write-off. I was thoroughly pissed off. If you checked out the old uh, Thirsty Thirsty over on Podcasts Under the Stairs Facebook group page, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast on Thursday, you would have seen that I was pissed off uh, that I wasn't going to be there to see the, the opening movies. But of the official card of 11 movies over the Friday and Saturday, I, sorry, the official card of yeah, 11 movies over the Friday and Saturday. I caught 10 of them. There was only one I didn't catch and I got told it was alright. So I don't feel too bad about that. So on the Friday, the first movie that kicked us off was The Wanderers. Um, A.K.A. Quest of the Demon Hunter. Uh, directed by Dragos Bulliger. Um, and I like literally sat in my chair dumbfounded when this movie kicked off. To find out that in the cast... Armand Asante was in this. Now, I rather famously thought that Armand Asante had died. Uh, I would have put down cold hard cash. Um, maybe even my child slid that across the table in a comfortable bet thinking that Asante had died, I thought, a good decade ago, but turns out I was wrong. Uh, he's in this movie. The, the synopsis is listed by Fright Fest for this one uh, was that it was a UK premiere. Luis, played by Armand Asante, is the most famous ghost and demon hunter in the world. The hardened American has travelled with Robert, an Israeli journalist, to investigate a mysterious event that happened at the infamous 
Zelensky Castle, an imposing edifice towering over a village drenched in bloody history. Joined by a Romanian guide and a Korean television reality show team, the duo attempt to untangle the evil secrets lurking at the dark heart of this frightened community. Now, this was the, the first movie of the, the official run of Fright Fest and um, it did not work with me. Um, I not really like this one at all actually. I struggled greatly with the tone. I thought the tone was all over the shop. Um, I didn't think the acting was particularly great either which really kind of hampered my overall love for the movie. It started off in such a way that I kind of thought it was going to be a horror comedy and certainly there are many elements in the movie that try to play to a comedic tone but the rest of the movie just doesn't sit with that and as a result it kind of felt forced to try and put in some comedy or forced to try and be more dramatic or forced to be you know a little more serious and the, the balance just was off completely on all of them. I also found that I really struggled to make out what characters were saying. Um, everyone is speaking in English in this movie yet some characters are from Korea, some characters are from Israel. Armand Asante, who didn't have the greatest accent to begin with, um, if you want evidence of that, please go back and check Stallone's Drudge, uh, Dud, uh, I can't even say that, Judge Dredd movie, where he played Rico, his brother, um, you will very, very quickly realise that he's not the greatest, um, and he's obviously quite a bit older now, and he has a kind of slur in the way he talks, which was very reminiscent of kind of later day Marlon Brando. And yet, just, I, there was no attempt to put subtitles or anything on the movie. I think the movie would have greatly benefited from that because a lot of the dialogue just went completely over my head. I had not a clue what most of the movie was about it seemed to set up certain ideas and then kind of backtrack on them there didn't appear to be any kind of set laws to the monsters either which kind of confused me a little bit uh, and it set up particular aspects as well in the storytelling which are not paid off which are not really followed through and just are you maybe think are set up as a big deal but become incidental by the end you know it's, it's like we're not really working at trying to unravel what we're doing here as part of the movie. So those are the negatives. On the positive side, very well shot. Uh, I thought the score was pretty cool. Um, some good use of some practical effects. The CGI that they did use was not terrible. Um, although they did have some CGI fire in there, which uh, is never great to see. Um, and yeah, that's probably the, the things I would give it thumbs up for. Out with that, I, I didn't think it was a particularly good movie. I think, realistically, well, we'll get to it at the end. This might be my least favourite movie. Um, the other movie I'm thinking about, which I'm going to talk about later on, which closed out the festival, which I didn't think was a particularly good movie either, at least had a bit of humour in it, where this one, you know, I... Humour which remained within the tone of the movie and I don't think this one necessarily did at all. So yeah, it was, it was kind of a dud for me. It, it, didn't, it didn't work well, didn't really do much that I enjoyed. If I had to grade it on the old Netflix scale, 
probably comes in at a two. I didn't really like it. I didn't hate it by any stretch of the imagination. I still think there was some really good work behind the camera here. Uh, I just thought it, it was a bit of a mess. There was about four solid ideas in this movie which could have been kind of stretched out to make feature feature lengths. Um, instead they all try to cram them in this one movie which like I say just felt muddled and messy so yeah the first movie was The Wanderers Quest of the Demon Hunters um, and yeah uh, 2 out of 5 from Duncan so the second movie on the first day was um, the rather goofily named but very entertaining Attack of the Bat Monsters uh, the movie was directed by Kelly Green um, it was its world premiere and we're going to get into a bit of the detail behind the movie because uh, it's his world premiere but the movie was made in 1999 so do the math it's pretty much 20 years old um, the Fright Fest um, website says join Schlock and Preciaro's uh, Francis Gordon and his intrepid crew as they attempt to shoot an impromptu monster movie in the three days left over from the film they've just wrapped from the Saul Bass opening title homage to its highly authentic comic evocation of the 1950s grade Z Grindhouse, this was lost when it was made in 1999. But Ace Restorer Mark Rance, who brought Toby Hooper's eggshells to Fright Fest in 2010, found it and has lovingly refurbished it under writer-director Kelly Green's supervision. Um, yeah, this movie was a hoot absolute blast to watch so um, yeah so the movie was made in 1999 very cheaply very schlockily done in a, a way to pay homage to if you watched any of those really really cheaply made kind of 1950s grindhouse not grindhouse just drive through fair uh, with people in obviously rubbery costumes chasing down explorers on an island or in outer space or, or, or whatnot um, and it kind of kind of follows that you know uh, the kind of filmmaking style that made people like Roger Corman famous so we join the set of this crew making this movie the the attack of the bat monsters um, it's just very 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 funny I, I mean they've obviously done a fantastic work on the the kind of cleanup and restoration of the originals for this. Everyone's having a blast. They're all typecast to certain portrayals of actors from the genre of that time. And you can just tell everyone is having a ball making this movie. It's campy, it's over the top. There is running gags that run through the movie, which are never always fully explained, but they happen so often and you play off the reactions of the other characters that you're part of the joke without necessarily understanding the joke which I thought was really great um, it's a short movie, it's like under an hour and a half long flies in at a breeze um, I, could, I could hear the audience laugh pretty much all the way through the movie everyone was in on the joke it is the perfect festival fodder I don't know how well this movie plays without a crowd can't imagine it would play all that well sitting watching it yourself um, but certainly if there's a groupies this is the sort of movie you shove on in the background especially you get more out of it if you if you are aware of what filmmaking was like back then or you've, you've seen a couple of these awful 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 movies 
um, you, you kind of swing right into that. I thought it was a ton of fun. I, if I was to grade it out of five, it certainly gets a, a, a maybe a three and a half or four out of five for me. Somewhere between liked it to really liked it. I just found it. I found that a, a well placed movie coming off the back of uh, you know the Wanderer's Quest of the Demon Hunter movie. This one to me would have been a great opener. I, I kind of wish it started with this as the opener because it kind of set the tone, allowed everyone to have a laugh, settle in, um, goofy in all the best ways, and yeah, it was just really, really, really good. Had had a ton of fun with this movie, and uh, so that was Attack of the Bat Monsters. Hopefully going to find some way to check this movie out this year hopefully I would imagine it's going to do some more festival things but hopefully a physical copy or at least on a streaming site is worth it check it out when it arrives attack of the bat monsters so up next was a little movie which weirdly on the day of fright fest also got released on Netflix worldwide so it was it was kind of cool. I'll go into why it was kind of cool from from my perspective, uh, but it's called The Ravenous. It does have a, a French name called Les Affemes, uh, which I probably probably butchered. Um, so uh, this one was directed by Robin Aubert uh, and is a Canadian movie, but French Canadian movie. So it it was in French with English subtitles. Uh, this was its UK premiere, and the the bit of blurb on the old uh, the old Fright Fest website was that the zombie apocalypse has begun, but the still human residents of rural Quebec, assistance of any government or community kind is zero. So lone survivors must figure things out for themselves, even if it means joining tentative forces and risking a hideous death. Um. Yeah, this movie was super strong. Um, it actually floored me at how strong it was. And as a first-time uh, participant in Glasgow Fright Fest, I was kind of thinking that the overall tone of the festival might have been more on the goofy side. And then they dropped this one right after dinner time. And it just landed with a bang for me. Um, I thought it, the cast is excellent. Uh, really, really well cast. Really well-written three-dimensional characters. It leans, yeah, a bit more into the drama side than it necessarily does into the zombie side. So I can see why people were making comparisons to The Walking Dead, but they were using the comparisons to The Walking Dead in a way to say that they wished The Walking Dead was more like Ravenous. Um, I thought that, like I say, the character acting and the, the script were, were excellent. I thought it was shot beautifully, it had that brutality that comes with a lot of French speaking horror, uh, even though this is a Canadian movie, it, you know, it felt very much a French horror movie, it was very mean spirited um, and it, it toyed with my love of certain characters and that characters who you follow along, who you start to grow and trust, uh, might not necessarily be the most reliable once you hear their backstory. Uh, one character in particular who, who does something later on. Uh, I'm obviously not going into spoilers on this one. However, like I say, this is available on Netflix, so you can watch this one right now if you wanted to. Um, 
I felt overall the movie's about an hour and 40 long. I think you could probably chop 10 minutes off it and it wouldn't be detrimental to the movie. So it was deliberately paced for sure, but I felt certain scenes maybe went on a bit too long. Um, and that is really my only complaint about the movie. Uh, it is wonderfully bleak in a way that I think zombie movies should be and for some reason we're really losing that um, by way of, of goofiness or too much emphasis on effects. I really liked their portrayal of what zombies were like in the movie. I thought that was excellent. Um, the effects were phenomenal in the movie. Really, like very little CGI and what CGI they did use um, I thought was of a fairly high standard as well. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I thought it was great. I thought it was just a really good story. Um, and it kind of reminded me of a, a bit of something like The Battery, which is a movie about zombies, which, you know, isn't really a movie about zombies. Um, or, or most recently, Train to Busan, which I felt had a lot of heart for the subject matter that it was dealing with. I would say that Ravenous, or The Ravenous, is exactly the same. That's where it fits. It fits a, a really interesting story that's told against the background of zombies. Um, there, there were a couple of very, very funny moments. There was one particular gag that he played which had me howling with laughter, but for the most part it was to break the tension up because the movie is very, very, very serious and you need those little moments where you can laugh and smile, very much like the characters, to survive the ordeal of what they're going through. Uh, I thought it was scored wonderfully, um, shot beautifully, just, just a great movie. Um, and then we found out, obviously, on the morning that it had been released on Netflix. And the, I loved this, that I, as soon as I finished watching this, I was posting on the Facebook group page, you know, people I hear this is on Netflix, I've just seen it, go and watch it. And then we were getting uh, feedback back from people saying that they were watching it that night and they were loving it as well, out with the festival environment at home, watching it on Netflix, digging it, which I think is kind of awesome. I would love to see this movie get more traction. Uh, I know the Baz has seen it, so this, and I, I think the Baz actually really enjoyed it as well, so I can see maybe a review of this as a bonus episode. Uh, somewhere down the line soon. Uh, I'd like to kind of get, get that locked in and speak to the Baz about it and see what he made of it. But yeah, The Ravenous for me is uh, probably, it's a, I would say it's a four star movie for me. Really, really like this one. Uh, everyone should check it out. Like I say, get Netflix. Even take your free month subscription, get Netflix, check out The Ravenous. You will not be disappointed. It was, it was pretty special. So yeah, that was The Ravenous. And the next movie was also a UK premiere. This one was Cold Skin, directed by Javier Gans. Um, probably the biggest cast member in this one is Ray Stevenson. Um, it was a Spanish-French co-production, but was English language. Um, making its UK premiere, listed on the Fright Fest website. The synopsis is, At dawn of the First World War, a young man named Friend played by David Oakes, arrives at a desolate Antarctic Circle Island to take the post of Weather Observer and where a race of amphibious humanoids emerge from the sea every night to besiege him and the rancankerous lighthouse keeper companion, Gruner, played by Ray Stevenson. How much horror can the human heart endure? Now, what are the odds, ladies and gents, that... 
in the same year you're going to have a movie like Cold Skin and a movie like Shape in the Water that are both going to land with kind of similar themes but in different polars. This one certainly ain't no love story at all but I, I would be lying if I said I wasn't kind of floored by how good Cold Skin was. Um, another movie that was shot beautifully, acted great, the script phenomenal, deals with some really heady issues um, about you know genocide or ethnic cleansing, about male dominance and male abuse. A lot of things which have been mentioned a lot or people are more familiar with nowadays because of you know kind of social activist groups uh, or armchair activist groups uh, or Facebook awareness of things rightly or wrongly uh, this this movie has a lot of them as a backdrop to a story which is really about a man who is for whatever reason fending off these assaults uh, every night by these creatures hell-bent to kill them think I am legend as well the movie the movie leaned into that I, I, I personally felt um, less the the adaptations more the the Madison novel um, Ray Stevenson is excellent in this movie I mean like actually maybe one of my favorite Ray Stevenson performances ever uh, he, he plays like this this guy that is unhinged but it's what he's doing right and you know morally speaking it's what he what he is doing as a character acceptable in the face of survival um but yeah the script acting the cinematography the effects were great in this movie it's a wonderful movie to look at and there's a lot of cgi creatures which at first i thought might lean more into it, especially when they were swarming I had like horror visions of World War Z, a movie that I wasn't too keen on at all but it's not like that at all, it's handled much better um, and at the heart we get this kind of tenderness be be between um, you know uh, David Oak's character and one of the kind of amphibious creatures, I, I just thought the movie was excellent, uh, wonderfully scored um, a real epic feel. I mean, this is about just under the two-hour mark for this movie, uh, um, and you know, sitting down watching it, I was just very absorbed into the world. I believed everything that was happening, um, and yeah, I, I, I really, I it was one of those ones that you could have heard a pin drop uh, in the cinema when it was playing. Everyone was engrossed uh, by this this beautiful story which was being told by Avi Ergans, who is just a, a you know, a, an excellent director and storyteller. Uh, yeah, it's a high, high recommend for me. This one got a 4.5 out of 5. Um, can't stress enough uh, how much I, I really thought this movie was excellent. I believe it might be available in America. I might be lying when I say that. Certainly isn't in the UK yet, however, uh, like most of these movies that played at Fright Fest seem to have landed distribution deals so I would imagine this one will be available this year uh, and certainly I will keep people posted in the UK especially but once I get clarification on its US release um, for where people can go and check it out and that would be an interesting conversation somewhere down the line but thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed Cold Skin which is where I jumped out 
uh, right after cold skin, I was staying over at a buddy's house and um, opted to go and meet up with my buddy and have some beers um, rather than, than sit through the final movie. And it wasn't because I didn't want to see it. I'm not really invested in the subject matter. I don't really like Bigfoot movies as much as Baz is desperately on the the hunt for the next great big Bigfoot movie. I'm not the biggest Bigfoot movie fan, especially in the horror genre. Uh, I can maybe count about three that I actually think are are good to excellent movies and the rest are all shite. Um, but the final movie was Primal Rage, directed by Patrick McGee. Uh, it was its European premiere. I'll read you the, the blurb, but can't really tell you if I liked the movie or not because I hadn't watched it. Um, the synopsis is listed on Fright Fest was Lost Deep in the Forest of the Pacific Northwest, Ashley and her ex-convict husband Max are stalked by a terrifying creatures the local call Oma. Soon they find themselves forced to face nature's harshness, a band of unsavoury hunters and become embroiled in a strange land of Native American legend that turned absolutely real in their life or death battle. Um, so speaking to Scott and Liam, I'll talk about that in a, in a little bit, uh, and Boz from the Little Pod of Horrors who were all in attendance during the festival, they all seem to have the same opinion. The movie was too long and the last 20 minutes kind of ruined the setup. Um, so yeah, but I can't comment on that. So uh, I will check out when it does become available just because I'm curious and I'm a completist. I want to see everything that played at the festival even though I didn't see it within the you know kind of festival confines. But that closed out the first day of Fright Fest. Um, right, we're going to take another break. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love, some more music. When I come back, we're going to look at the second and final day of Fright Fest. Six movies I watched. Uh, one of them, I will say right now, uh, is one of the best horror movies I've seen in uh, quite a while. Uh, and is, at the moment, my hot tip for movie of the year. So, sit back, uh, prepare yourself and all will be revealed right after this. Hey everybody, this is Tim Dorn. My name is Gareth Evans. Hi, I'm Nacho Vigalondo, director of Time Crimes and Open Windows. Hey, this is Graham Skipper. Hola, soy Macarena Gomez. Hello, this is number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler. Yo, monkeys, it's me, D.D. And you are listening to The Little Pod of Horrors. Which, as you know, is the best damn idea since premarital sex on Halloween. Jason Voorhees! It'll make you come hard. And that's not a bad thing. That monkey is a good thing. Bam! You can find The Little Pot of Horrors on simplysyndicated.com and on iTunes.
Welcome back. So, we're continuing our look. This is the second final day of Fright Fest in Glasgow 2018. Um, the day started off with uh, a little movie I genuinely could not wait to see uh, called Eramentari. The reason I really wanted to see it, not because of the name, uh, which is translated loosely, I think, to The Blacksmith and the Devil. But the reason I couldn't wait to see it is this one was executively produced or, you know, had the title name of, you know, this guy presents by Alex D'Iglesia, the guy behind Witching and Bitching, Elbar, Day of the Beast, some, some fucking phenomenal movies that I really like. But it's directed by a guy called Paul Urko Al Alho, maybe, or Algio. Um, the synopsis is listed on the Fright Fest web pages uh, say that this was its UK premiere. Ten years after civil war in Spain in 1833, orphan Usi uh, seeks escape from her abusive guardians and constant harassment from uncaring villagers when her beloved doll is stolen and it ends up in the property of Paxty, uh, a lonely and feared blacksmith who is the keeper of a terrifying secret, a horrible truth that Usi innocently reveals. Um, this movie lived up to my expectations um, and then some. I saw, I thought when this movie finished this was going to be my movie of the festival. I thought it was... A, to say that this one was beautiful to look at, I don't even want to know what the budget was but it must have been insane. Uh, it was fucking wonderful to look at. It's a really... I want to say this is actually, I may have read a story before about the blacksmith and the devil and I don't know if it's based on like folklore or if I've heard it somewhere else um, and I'm getting it confused with some other sort of either biblical tale or mythology tale of sorts. Um, but yeah, I, I was I felt like the story was a bit familiar. Uh, the way they set it up though is kind of like this really dark horror comedy. Um, of which it was excellent 
I thought the, the comedic tones in the movie were amazing. Everyone was laughing at the same time. It was landing. It was a great festival-feeling movie, but it was stunning to look at. I mean, the cinematography, the, the use of CGI in this movie is top-notch, um, and the people that did the special effects in this movie should be sent elsewhere to work on large-scale Hollywood pictures because this is how you do CGI fire. Uh, the rich red tones, the kind of the, the fire red, the fire orange, and fire yellow tones um, permeate right through the entire movie in a way where it feels like almost like it's a wash of color. Uh, the story itself it plays out very much like you expect it to. There was no real big surprises in there. That being said, it was thoroughly entertaining. Uh, it contained a lot of heart, a lot of comedy, beautiful score, rich tapestry, a, a proper fantasy horror movie with that kind of fairy tale vibe that we have now come to expect from uh, you know Dia Glazia, who is very much a guy who's been heralded more to prominence off the back of people like Guillermo del Toro. Um, it was a real powerhouse of a movie to kick the day off. Um, this, you know, at this stage watching that as a first movie, I was like, why was this not the opening movie on the first day? But once again, not in charge of selecting movies of their order, you just got to roll with it. It was in um, Basque uh, with English subtitles, but you know, you, you, you work right through it. Um, maybe my favourite, uh, my favourite depiction of hell on screen that I've ever seen. I kind of really like leapt into that in a way where like I, I'm a big fan of um, Polanski's uh, The Ninth Gate. Really like that movie, not because I think it's a, a particularly amazing movie, but I, I like the way it's kind of it, it plays with the ideas of the circles of hell and the involvements of the book and the magic, etc. Um, this movie has a kind of a a view of hell, that kind of Dante's Inferno style of hell played out in the screen in a way which I thought was was wonderfully done. Yeah, this is a fucking awesome movie. Um, I would give it five. If I could give it more than five, I would give it more than five. But it's a five out of five. Incredible. When this one becomes available, please, please see it. You will not be disappointed. The Devil and the Blacksmith, a.k.a. Erementari, um, is the real deal. Fucking shit hot. Great movie. Um, yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal movie. So swinging on to the next one, this one had a bit of buzz before I saw it. I've been getting a lot of press stuff coming through for potential interviews uh, with cast members and I was originally, before I had bought a ticket to Fright Fest, offered a ticket to go and see this movie. Um, this one is called Pie Whack It, uh, directed by Adam McDonald. This one's a Canadian production as well. This is a European premiere. The Piwake um, synopsis is listed on the Fright Fest website as confused and enraged for being forced to move away from school friends after her father dies, Leah performs a blood incantation calling on an evil entity to punish her grieving mother. Immediately regretful, too late she realises she can't reverse the ritual curse and an unholy presence now stalks them both in their rural home. Um. <sighs> <laughs> this movie, I don't know, I want to watch it again because I come off it a bit colder than everyone else I spoke to who seemed to enjoy it a bit more than I did. Um, 
I mean, first off, it's it, you know it, it's from the the production team behind The Witch and The Void. Um, I I love The Witch. I wasn't so keen on The Void, but they're they're covering both all those movies cover up uh, occultism to an extent, which obviously more so. Um, and in this one, I I, I don't know. I, I wanted to enjoy it a lot more than I did. Um, while watching it, I was kind of getting behind the setup to an extent. I thought, once again, visually stunning to look at. I mean, this movie is getting a release, uh, VOD, etc., uh, later this year, so you will be able to see it. And it certainly had. You know, this movie could play at a cinema. This could have a cinema run, I think, in the UK. Not a huge cinema run, but it could comfortably, and it would do well. Um, the acting was of a of a good kind of high standing uh, Laura Holden from uh, The Walking Dead she's in it so she's probably the biggest name in it um, but yeah I, you know from that point of view I can't, I got behind a lot of the way it was set up uh, the, the characters interest in things like um, occultism and black metal things you know I've dabbled with in the past that I think are pretty cool um, I just felt like I was ahead of the movie for a bit um, there was no huge intrigue coming. I felt that there was a couple of times the movie felt like it was actually genuinely doing something that was starting to make my skin crawl and it almost as if they didn't want to do that or they wanted to pull away, which felt anticlimactic. Um, I wasn't as big on the ending as other people were. Um, although this movie is not, is not your standard kind of teenage horror movie in that if you're going in expecting everything to be great by the end of it you know it's probably not going to be um, and I can't say anymore without spoiling it uh, it's probably one I would like to review later on in the year certainly with, with someone else just to, to bounce some of my my grievances with the movie off them to see if they agree or if I'm just maybe trying to judge it a bit to Harsh. I mean, it's a far more conventional horror movie than a lot that I had played before it and certainly what comes after it. And I don't know if maybe that's why it just didn't sit with me. Um, it didn't feel like a festival movie. It kind of almost felt like one of those movies you stumble across on Netflix. That being said, um, acting good, CGI and some of the, the, the kind of effects that they use in the movie were done really, really, really well. Uh, score was excellent. Um script was good so yeah I mean I, I feel like it's my issues with the movie that drag it down not the movie's issues if that makes sense I would probably give it a three three and a half out of five um, I liked it I just didn't love it and and that's where I kind of kind of stop at pie whack it like I say I think it's getting a, a kind of bigger release later on in the year with kind of physical and VOD etc and once again I will ping the news around the internet when when I know more about when it's coming out etc. But yeah that was Pie Whacker. Up next is Friendly Beast. This is directed by Gabriela Amarla Almadia. Uh, I probably butchered that. Um, it was, it's a Brazilian horror movie. Uh, Portuguese with English subtitles. Um, according to the <laughs> The Fright Face website is an hour and 38 minutes long. It felt longer, but that's not a slight against it. This was its UK premiere. 
Uh, the synopsis is listed on the website was it's nearly closing time at a struggling restaurant. Staff want to go home while the boss struggles with money troubles and a desire for more power in his life. Enter two robbers. The catalyst for a violent situation which the boss is initially able to contain and gain the upper hand. Suddenly, the already dangerous and explosive situation turns deadly, sides are taken and people turn to the most abhorrent behaviour in an instant. So, in the kind of contrast to the previous movie, I think I enjoyed this one a lot more than most of the crowd in there. Uh, this is the sort of movie I expected at something like a Fright Fest. This is kind of, to me, this is classic um, festival genre fare by, by its nature. You, don't expect to see these sort of movies get any sort of release um, out with the kind of festival run. Um, this, yeah, I, I, I dug this movie a lot. I, I am loath to say I love it. it. It certainly has that kind of South American vibe going on that I really like. Um, I did hear a couple of people say, or overheard a couple of people say, this was like a one-time watch for them. They'll never watch it again. Um, and in some respects, it reminded me of the kind of over-the-top nature of a movie like We Are The Flesh. But obviously in a different subject matter, I thought the, the central um, restaurant boss, his character arc, his character in general was fucking wonderful. Um, I thought the practical effects were great. I thought it was all about extremity um, and how people handle stress. I thought that was really well done. The more over the top and ludicrous the movie got, the more I got behind it, the more I enjoyed about it. So I didn't particularly like the last five minutes. The very end of the movie kind of felt a bit flat for me because it's not where I thought it was necessarily going. And as a result of that, I kind of felt like it almost felt a bit flat. It was like they didn't know how they were going to finish the movie and that was a decision they'd made to finish it that didn't, didn't feel to me the most organic way to finish it. That being said, it's bonkers. There's the definition of a bonkers movie. Um, you will sit and watch it genuinely confused or befuddled as to where the next scene's going or what the next idea done by a certain character or where we're going to go and how things have escalated to the level that they have so quickly. It also makes you look at characters maybe two or three times in different lights which I really enjoy um, to, to try and work out what the motives are of the actions that the characters are doing on screen. Um, acted really well some uh, graphic shot of Tatas, uh, which was not displeasing to Duncan's eyes. Um, and one of the most uncomfortable sex scenes I've seen in a movie in quite some time. So yeah, all that and more in Friendly Beast. Um, I would give this one probably a, somewhere between a three and a half and a four, if, if I'm being honest. I, I want to say I really liked it, but I want to watch it again. Uh, I certainly liked the movie, so it lies somewhere in between, so I kind of feel more confident with a three and a half. But yeah, I found it hugely entertaining and a, a movie that I'd be interested when more people have seen it, what their take was. Um, I certainly know like uh, Scott Liam uh, from Scott Liam vs Evil and Boz were not as singing of this movie's praises as I was. Uh, I wasn't saying this was the best thing yet, but 
I appeared to enjoy it a lot more than they did. Boz even remarked in a joke that he thought it was a very Duncan movie when he was watching it, uh, which, which speaks more to my taste. So if you are aligned with my taste a bit more, then chances are you dig this movie quite a bit. But that was Friendly Beast. Which swings us into Secret Santa, directed by Adam Marcus. Uh, this was its UK premiere. This one was a fucking hoot. What a laugh I had watching this movie. So over the top. So low budget. Um, it was its UK premiere and uh, listed as a synopsis on the Fright Fest, Fright Fest website. The synopsis is, The Pope family's Christmas Eve dinner get, goes horribly and her, hilariously wrong when someone puts something in the party punch causing everyone to tell unvarnished truth and already dysfunctional holiday reunion. When the head of the household psychopathically freaks out, the scene is set for murderous mayhem and splatterific revenge as the deviant relatives reveal their long-buried hatreds and festering loathings. Um, that gives away a little bit too much of the story that I don't feel it probably should, but is listed as their official synopsis, so I am not spoiling anything. Yeah, this movie's totally fucking OTT. Um, the jokes are crude, lewd. Um, the acting's a bit ropey. The CGI's a bit cringy. Um, but I laughed all the way through it. Some of the jokes were fucking hilarious. Uh, fastly paced one-liners. Uh, just, just the sort of kind of splatter nonsense that you really want um, from, from a, 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 a kind of a, a movie, a, ho a horror holiday movie set around the Christmas time. You want those like over the top things that kind of go into the over the top nature of that season. And I think they nailed it. Um, it's about an hour and a half long. It felt like an hour. Flew in, um, but just was just like a proper entertaining movie. It just it was like a good palate cleanser for for the the next movie coming up. Um, I felt it made me just rest back in and have a have a smile and a bit of a chuckle. Um, I just thought it was really good. Yeah, I, 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 this one to me is it's a three. Uh, I, I, I liked it, I, I didn't like, it's not above that, but it doesn't really deserve above that, but, you know, if I was saying sit down and watch, if you were looking for a laugh, uh, the, the movie I would suggest at the whole festival is Secret Santa, because it was fucking hilarious. Even, like, Attack of the, the, the Bat Monsters is, is it a better made movie than this? Probably. Um, I don't know, Secret Santa was just hugely entertaining. This is a, I want to make Baz watch this movie because I think Baz's review would be fucking incredible. Um, but yeah, I think you, I think if you're looking for something to sit down with some friends, some beers, and just laugh your tits off, um, Secret Santa is that movie and you should check that out. So I would give it a three out of five. Which swings us into the second last movie of Fright Fest. It was a little movie called Tigers Are Not Afraid. I had a bit of a buzz before um, I saw it, mostly due to the fact that I'd heard that Stephen King had been singing its praises. Uh, it was its UK premiere. It was directed by Isa Lopez, who we found out at the festival. She was the only person that really made it to do like a Q&A just because of the weather issues that had happened. Uh, she comes from a comedy background and this was her first genre movie that she'd made um, and I believe they were saying she is working on another horror movie uh, I think she nailed it with this one uh, probably the shortest movie of the whole thing it was about an hour and 20 minutes long 
It's in Spanish with English subtitles. The synopsis is, thousands have been murdered or gone missing in the ongoing violent drug war in Mexico. The result is many orphaned children living on the streets caught under unceasing cartel crossfire. In her third work of the immense beauty, pain, fear and joy, writer-director Ilsa Lopez tells the magical story of five such urchins making the best of their daily struggle to survive. This movie blew me away. This is my movie of the festival. This so far is my movie of the year. Uh, I have not been as excited about a movie since I saw uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pan's Labyrinth or The Devil's Backbone. Uh, I think both um, comparisons are apt. Uh, and I think she's probably going to get a lot of, uh, well, this feels like a Del Toro movie, and it does to an extent, but it certainly has its own tone in the way it's told. It just borrows certain ideas or visual kind of styles which you would expect from a Del Toro story. And I think that's more to do with just the part of the world the story is coming from, as opposed to necessarily someone trying to emulate um, a, 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 you know, another director. I, I just feel like this is how horror stories are told in South America. Um, of what to say about this movie, maybe some of the best kid acting I've ever seen in a movie, maybe one of the most heartwarming, heart-wrenching, gut-crunching stories I've seen portrayed in a movie. Um, it takes a lot to have me emotionally shook up by a movie. I just don't get that way watching films. I know there's a lot of people that will openly put their hand up and say that they, they have a cry when they watch a movie. I am not one of them. I can get maybe two movies that that's ever really happened to me and both of them happened when I was much younger. Um, but this movie really, really played on that with me. I, I felt myself wanting to just protect the kids all the way through the movie. Um, the, the use of the fantasy, the use of the fantastical against, the, the, kind of juxtaposed against the really harsh, brutal, real-world situation that these kids go through on a day-to-day -day basis with, with, with people that are just killing for the sake of killing, uh, with no regard for human life at all, um, really, really stuck with me, and I just thought the movie was wonderful. I'd like, I, 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 I I, I, I genuinely think this is the movie to beat this year already. <laughs> I, I just feel confident. Um, and it's not a straight horror movie either, which is kind of cool. But yeah, this to me was an experience. Um, once again, kind of conversing with my colleagues, my podcast colleagues afterwards, Liam said he'll never watch the movie again. And I think he said, admitted to having almost been brought to tears or having cried about four times during the movie. Boz said that the movie felt slow for him when it started, but by the end he was just crushed by the emotional weight of the movie. Um, and I get that. I was just in awe of the storytelling, in awe of the cinematography, in awe of the kid acting. I mean, some of these kids are not actors, and to watch their portrayal on the screen was just... Yeah, I, I, I'm going to hype this one like a motherfucker and you'll all end up watching it and tell me I'm wrong or I've overhyped it. I do not care. I think this is one of the best horror movies I've seen in quite some time. Um, and genuinely, if another movie tops this this year, 
then I've been spoiled as a viewer. I, I just can't see how anything's going to do it. Um, it is doing the festival circuit till the summer. The director said she is currently, like, she's been inundated with distributors that want to put it out. Uh, I would love to see this get a cinema run because I think that's where you need to see this movie or on a very big TV. Um, I think you're all going to love it. Uh, if you're fans of Guillermo del Toro, if you're fans of kind of fantasy, kind of dark fantasy horror, you're going to love it. Um, yeah, oh, just, I, I could, I, I will do a full review on this movie this year uh, and I will gush all over why I think it is, it is just phenomenal. Uh, Tigers Are Not Afraid was my favourite movie of the festival. It's a motherfucking five. Um, yeah. I, I enjoyed, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed sitting down and watching uh, The Devil and the Blacksmith. I thought that was was a great movie. Uh, Elementary I thought was amazing. I thought it was going to be my favorite. This, to me, is a head and shoulders better than that. So I think that, that makes you understand. So that was the second last movie. Tigers Are Not Afraid. Which brings us to the last movie, which was 60 Minutes to Midnight, uh, directed by Neil McKay, or Mackay. Um, Canadian kind of action genre movie. I wouldn't necessarily say this is a horror movie at all, but it kind of fits under that banner of something like a fright fest. It was its European premiere. Uh, it says it's Hogmanay in 1999. The former soldier Jack Darcy wakes to find himself mysteriously entered in a murderous new TV game show. It's 60 minutes to kill or be killed by a group of strange armed men who have surrounded the house. But what his would-be assassins haven't realised is that Jack has learned a few tricks from his military days. He has a hidden bunker full of weapons and he isn't going down without a vicious fight. Um, so the the... Producer of the movie was at Fright Fest and he set up basically saying that it was paying love to a lot of kind of early 90s action movies, the kind of the over the top stuff. And there are shades of the running man running right through this movie for sure. Um, they reckon like Charles Bronson movies, I can kind of see that to an extent. Um, I thought it was a fun movie, I just think it is not a good movie. Um, the action's kind of cool and it, it, you know the, the, the game show setup is kind of fun and some of the killers they send are kind of fun um, I thought the main character wasn't likeable at all um, which I struggled with he didn't feel like a natural sort of action star either which I think was maybe detrimental to what the aesthetic they were kind of going for with the movie um, it was a bit dumb in places, in a way where I, it defied logic on how dumb it had been. Um, and, you know, fatigue sets in as well, so I'd love to see this one again at a decent hour where I'm not kind of having already seen five movies and now it's like half past eleven at night and we're going to sit down and watch a movie which is going to take me through to one in the morning. Um, I think it also didn't help that it came right after Tigers Are Not Afraid, which I was beaming about and then we jumped right into this. A movie which kind of on some level, the movie before is very serious and the look of how guns and drugs have an impact in real life and then we jump into a movie that glorifies the idea of guns. Um, and I have no dog in that race at all, you know, that's questions for a, a different thing. Just thought tonally putting those two movies together did not benefit 60 Minutes to Midnight. Um, his heart was in his right place I just felt that it was a one trick pony that lasted far too long um, and 
yeah, I, I, I wasn't a big fan at all. Um, I think the overall the festival was book, bookended by two not so great movies, whether it was The Wanderers or Sixty Minutes to Midnight. I probably grade them about the same. So this one gets a like a kind of two, two and a half out of uh, out of five. You know, I, I didn't really like it. Uh, I didn't think it landed all that well for me. Um, and. I, Reading the crowd, it didn't seem like I was in the minority there. It did seem that everyone was kind of in the same boat with this one. That being said, it is I, I, I will have a bit of longevity. There will there will be people out there that watch this movie and love it, and it, it certainly plays to that. I just don't think it played to the fright fest crowd in Glasgow as well as maybe they hoped. So that's my view of that. Uh, as we're saying right at the end, though, I did get a chance to spend some time with the great guys Scott and Liam. Uh, from Scotland Liam vs Evil it was great catching up with them having chats about movies general shenanigans um, and, and a lot of fun with their respective partners and Liam's younger brother uh, it was good hanging out with them and they kind of took care of me because they'd been a few times there and plus I was there myself so in between movies rather than sitting myself like a loner they invited me out for, for food and you know and booze and stuff so that was cool uh, and it was always awesome chatting up uh, chatting away with I was going to say chatting up uh, which maybe I did do wink wink uh, but chatting to Boz from the little pod of horrors and his fantastic wife who braved horrible weather and drove the, pretty much the length of England and then halfway up Scotland to make sure they were there on time to see the event just because flights were being cancelled it was great to chat with him both of us did some live streaming on the final night so it's on the Facebook group page or on his group page you'll see us chat briefly about our thoughts overall on the the, um, the festival my big takeaway is that from the 11 films it played the 10 films that I actually saw uh, 8 of them I thought were were good movies 2 amazing movies and 2 I thought were bad and that ratio is incredibly high for a festival in my opinion, I loved the way it was run. It felt like a big community and a big family. Everyone was in great spirits, even though the weather had dampened some uh, of the journeys for certain people. Everyone got behind it and just got in and had fun. And um, yeah, they, they know how to run a festival. Surprise, surprise. And I'll be back next year. I'll be back for Fright Fest 2019. So there we go. I'm going to close out this segment. And when I come back, I'm closing out the show right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been bonus episode number 69, looking at Fright Fest Glasgow 2018. A lot of fun. Some of those movies, like I say, as and when I get more information, I'm going to post about them a lot more. Uh, I know that when people talk about festivals as a listener it can be frustrating not being able to sit down and watch the movies straight away but it sounded like most of them are going to appear this year so that's good and in the case of The Ravenous it landed, you, you guys were all watching it at the same time I was watching it so it's available on Netflix so you can watch it right now something like Cold Skin may already be out in the States um, so there may be ways to check that one out as well and the big takeaway for me is Tigers Are Not Afraid is the movie to beat this year in my opinion and I welcome the challenge of anyone to beat it because that means I'm going to be watching more quality horror movies and that makes me nothing but happier than I am sitting here waiting for them to arrive please come at me so yeah great festival can't wait to go back next year and it was awesome hanging with some peeps 
So there's a multitude of ways to check out the podcast under the stairs. Please check us out on Apple Podcasts. Come across and uh, subscribe to the feed. That way you get access to the episodes as and when they drop and access to the entire back catalogue. Please leave us a rating and a review. Ratings, super important. If they're five stars, for example, the more of them we get, the higher up the iTunes charts are pushed for people to find us and the reviews tell people why they should check out podcasts under the stairs. Simples. Um, it takes seconds for you to do. It doesn't cost anything. It means the world to us and it really is the best way to support what we do over here. You can also check out the show on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Smart Radio, Google Play and the TuneIn app. Uh, please come across to our website, tputzcast.com and join our Facebook group page, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast. You can interact with the Baz and the twin prongs of social media sexiness, Instagram and Twitter. Both can be followed at tputzcast. Now I will return, ladies and gents, on Thursday with your movie club episode. And then, this coming Sunday, we will be dropping a little bit of 88 Films Italian Collection Stuffs. That's right, three episodes this week. Strap yourselves in. Everything to play for. It's all systems go. Uh, But until I speak to you again, please take care of yourselves out there, wherever you are, whatever the time zone is, and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs, and I'm signing off. Come on, all you need it! Come on, all you need it!